This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Zach Rizzuto. Zach, what's good? We're going into week nine. I was just texting you this morning, dude. It's already week nine. Yeah, we're, we're past the halfway about. point of the of the. Uh, are we past the halfway point of the we're NFL? Well past the halfway point for the regular season, um, for and fantasy then, football then, at least. And um, that's all that matters. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> let's be honest here. Right. Like once, yeah. the fan, once the fantasy football season is over, it's like, what do you got to look forward to with the playoffs? Like the mm-hmm. actual NFL playoffs? Like who, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> no, but listen, man, I, I'm a sucker for NFL playoffs, man. Like yeah. I, I, I enjoy those games so much. Like I, I will like literally, you know, base my days around, you know, and th- those weekends around those games. And I, and I, those are the only games that I like to watch. Like I sit down and like to watch one game, you know, yeah. with red zone now, right. It's really hard. It's definitely affected my attention span. Yeah. Right. We're and I do spoiled. watch a lot. I do watch <laughs> a lot of these games after the fact, but you know, you know, things like, you know, uh, game pass helps with that because there's no commercials and you can get through a game in 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah. So it's not too bad. Um, so you don't have to like worry about like commercials and breaks between plays and stuff like that. But you know, red zone definitely affected the way I watch football for sure. Yeah, I think it's for the best. I love red zone. You know, I'd be really upset if it wasn't a thing. <laughs> I know dude. we're, we're it, a little it, bit it, spoiled. That's all, but that's okay. You know, that's okay. Red zone okay. was built. It was built specifically for the purpose of fantasy football. It's 100%. literally exactly what you want to see. Unless it's Jonathan Taylor. I'm cutting the Jonathan Taylor five times for five touchdowns last season. And not so much, but <laughs> I was playing against him that week. But you know, it's fine. It's, it's it fine. seems like a distant memory when Jonathan Taylor was scoring, right? Yeah, yeah. that many touchdowns. I don't yeah, want to hear I, it. I, those scars are deep. You know, it's gonna take a little <laughs> while for me to get over that. <laughs> for sure, man. All right, let's get into some news. Um, Keenan Allen said that his hamstring got worse during the oh, bye. Awesome. <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> that is terrible news if you have Keenan Allen. And I would not expect him to play this week. And it's possible he misses more time after that. It's already week nine, Keenan. You haven't played. You played week one. That was basically Mm -hmm. it. You played before the bye. We thought that you coming back before the bye was a good sign. Apparently not. So I wouldn't hold out hope on Keenan Allen for this season. Don't drop him. Okay. Mm -hmm. He he said he will not take the field until he's 100% this time. Who knows when that will be. Yeah. But, you know, it, it sucks right now. You know. Now. Josh Palmer becomes a very solid solid play without Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. He's basically their wide receiver one 
at this yeah. point. You know, I guess Austin Eckler is the wide receiver one, but you know, Gerald <laughs> Everett is next up, right? Like, I don't need to talk about Austin Eckler that much. He's obviously getting his, but DeAndre Carter, you know, I think he's a flex play, right? He has some big play upside. He's going to be on the field a lot without these two guys on the field. He had a 93% route participation in week seven and a 13% target share. So if you're struggling, he's an option. Those numbers can go up. Um, and, you know, he's going up against Atlanta this week. And that's part of the reason why, you know, Justin Herbert is still a, a viable option, even without his weapons, because they're going up against a very bad defense. Yeah. I, right. I, I think that, you know, with Josh Palmer and, and you know, even DeAndre Carter, they're not going to be able to step in. I'm not expecting them to step in and just be like, you know, awesome starts, even though Josh Palmer seems like he's going to be the de facto wide receiver one. Austin Eckler is still there. And for some reason, Justin Herbert just does not look like Justin Herbert this year. So this isn't a slam dunk play, even though if this was Justin Herbert looking like Justin Herbert, it would be. Um, it isn't really a slam dunk play for me. I'm, I'm thinking that unless they score touchdowns, it's going to be you know, relatively quiet day. I think they're going to run the offense through Austin Eckler. And they've been succeeding doing that. You know, Austin Eckler's been doing his thing and he's been able to produce. So uh, I'm not a humongous fan of these guys. Like I said, they're going to be solid, like you said, but I, I don't think that they have the upside that they would present if Justin Herbert looked like he was, you know, playing well. Yeah, and he's not throwing the ball down the field a ton. And I don't no. know if that's going to happen in this game without those guys. <laughs> right. Jonathan Taylor didn't practice this week with a, that re-aggravated ankle injury. Well, not this week. He didn't practice on Wednesdays. It's Thursday today, just in case you're listening to this later on. So there's yeah. a chance he plays, okay? I, I just make sure that Deion Jackson isn't just sitting over there on your waiver wire. Whether you have Taylor or not, just remember what he did last time around. Obviously, the receiving game was a big part of it. We don't know if he'll get peppered like he would without Matt, Matt Ryan. But if Jonathan Taylor is out, Deion Jackson will likely be the bell cow for the Colts, and that means that he'll likely put up some fantasy points. All right? Yeah. I think that's actually a pretty good play. I'm not sure if it's going to be the same exact kind of, you know, game script where Deion Jackson's catching 10 of 10 targets. You know, that was Matt Ryan playing quarterback then. And Sam Ellinger seems like he's a little bit more dynamic. And, you know, as a – he's technically a rookie, you know, in terms of games started. Um, his experience, you know, those inexperienced guys tend to try to do a little too much, push the ball downfield. Um, try to stay away from the check down because that's pretty boring at this point. And it seems like they have nothing to lose. So I don't think Deion Jackson's going to be catching 10 balls, but I think that the receiving work, you know, could kind of end up falling his way with, um, you know, Naeem Hines now out of the picture as well. He's a good pickup, man, because listen, if John, if this injury lingers for Jonathan Taylor and Which it has up ag- aggravating again or whatever, the Colts not having, not being in the picture, like, there might be a chance to shut Jonathan Taylor down. Like, mm-hmm. there is that possibility, okay? And I, I would put that percentage on that to at, like, 10%. I don't think it's that high that they shut him down this year at some point. But for that off chance that it happens, Deion Jackson, you know, is going to be, like, a top 20 running back, you know, for the rest of the season, whenever that does happen, yeah. if, if that ever happens, okay? So just wanted to put that out there as a possibility because why would you, you know, put a – you know, Jonathan Taylor out there with one with one leg, with one ankle, you know, on the field when you're not really winning games. You know, what's mm-hmm. the point? Um, they they might not go that right, go that route. They might not want to do that, but just put it out there as something to think about. Okay. Yeah. I think they'd have to lose a few more games before I really consider that as a possibility. I don't think that's happening right now. Um, it's not they'd happening have right to, now. I, they it's really have nine. To, yeah. 
they'd have to really go down the toilet for that to happen, you know, because at that point, you know, it's like, why add the extra wear and tear? And in a deep quarterback class, you know, if they could get anywhere within like the top 15, they might be able to snag somebody. They're in need of help at quarterback. So maybe they think long, long term, play the long game. You know, I guess they could do that later on, but I wouldn't expect that anytime before the fantasy playoffs. I think that then what fantasy playoffs start, what, week 14, 15 for most people? Is that what it I is? I mean, they're only, they're only two games behind Tennessee right now, right? Yeah, that's what I mean. And, so, like, they'd have to be and, out and of the a, picture. And there's a good chance that Tennessee loses <laughs> this week against the Chiefs. Yeah. So, you know, they're not out of it or, anything, or by any means. But this is more of a thought later on in the season, you know, weeks 14, something like that. Right yeah. uh, around that around that time. That's okay. a good point. Yeah. Um, let's see. Cooper Cup didn't practice on Wednesday because of a sprained ankle. He's expected to play, but it's not guaranteed. Just keep monitoring that as we go through the week. Um, DeAndre Swift didn't practice on Wednesday after Dan Campbell said he wasn't completely ready last week, and he obviously is not ready, completely ready at this point if he's still missing practice. But that's a Wednesday. Hopefully, he gets a full practice in at some point this week. But him missing practice on Wednesday. It just kind of like adds more gloom to the situation. You, know, you would have hoped yeah. that he at least gets eliminated on a Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, which, you know, as we talked about yesterday, I think that's opening the buy window a little bit more. But that's just that's a conversation for yesterday's episode. You can tune into that one and hear what we had to say about DeAndre Swift there. But, you know, with him missing practice, yeah, it's a little bit, you know, discouraging. I think that he's going to practice at some point this week. I think as long as he practices, he's going to play. But, yeah. um, yeah, I, I wish he would get a full practice in. That tells you, I mean, any type of practice in, you know, yesterday would have been nice. But the fact that he might not get a full practice in up until, you know, game day, and he might not even, you know, be on a safe uh, snap count there for fantasy relevance, it, it's a little discouraging. But that's why I'm saying if, you know, we see another one of these weeks where he produces right in the middle of the pack and, you know, it's not exactly up to standard, his work is still cut a little bit, I think that would be, that would really do wonders for his value in trades if you're trying to buy him. I think that would um, bring his price down to a point where you could get him super cheap, even cheaper than you can get him right now. And right now, he's very viable. Are you playing Jamal Williams or DeAndre Swift this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look at the practice reports this week and see if it looks like DeAndre Swift is going to be on a snap count again. Usually, um, Let's say he gets a full practice in on Friday. Let's say he gets a limited in today. Mm-hmm. Gets a full on Friday. I say that I'm starting Swift. And I know you have, I know you have that ranked differently. I don't know if you have that scenario. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the running backs obviously here later yeah. in this episode. But um, I know you have it differently. So I don't know if that's a scenario you're anticipating. What what are you anticipating for this week? I mean, I know it's hard to project injuries. I'm anticipating but, something very similar to what we saw last week in terms of workload. Right. Okay. Um, I, I'm I'm not expecting. A, he can do a lot with his touches, right? It's DeAndre Swift, right? He can get ten touches and get you 130 yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's that type of guy. Uh. I'm playing Jamal Williams though. Yeah. Just okay. because I feel like it's a good matchup on the ground. He can get some volume and he's the goal line guy. Mm. That's kind of how I feel this week. He has well, that floor. The yeah. rest of the season, you know, obviously I'd rather have Swift. But, and, you know, and this if you start, week, him, if you start him and he scores one touchdown, he's good for two. So, you know, I mean, that's the way it's been <laughs> this season. It's, so. either, it's either zero or two. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Alan Lazard, he practiced on Wednesday, which is a good sign that he might be able to play this week. Monitor his status throughout the week, but that's a good sign. Uh, Andy Reid said he's going to try and work Kadarius Tony in this week to get him to play in week nine. He's obviously tough to play this week, <laughs> but like I'll probably wait a week. Like, even though it's exciting that he's actually healthy and he's playing for the Chiefs, 
I'd probably wait a week just to see how much he's integrated, you know, this first week with the Chiefs. Yeah, I think it's fair. I would temper expectations. Obviously, you know, we know what he can be. We talk about his yards per route run statistic, you know, kind of blowing everybody out of the water besides Jamar Chase. Um, was that his rookie year? Yeah, yeah, just last year. So obviously he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. You know, he can get things done. And we've seen that playmaking ability, even when he was on the Giants, which are a less than, you know, fantastic offense. With Patrick Mahomes, you know, you have to wonder where the ceiling is. The wide receiver room's a little crowded, but like we talked about, I think when he first got traded, you know, I think he could kind of, you know, move up head and shoulders above the rest of the receivers. Maybe Juju will retain, you know, a decent target share because he's been getting that the whole season. The production is just now starting to catch up these last two weeks. Um, that could continue to happen. It would be nice if they could get a one-two with Juju and um, Kadarius Tony. I think that would be something sustainable, especially with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. And Kadarius Tony would be more of the big play threat, I think, over Juju. So if you can have a big play threat on the Chiefs offense with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, you know, obviously he's going to have a lot more value than he did um, on the Giants, where he was getting used little to none. I mean, he's being used behind Wondell Robinson. And that's not any shade at Wondell Robinson, but it's just they just picked him up in the second round of the draft, and they seem to trust him more on the field. Obviously, the injury uh, scandal, if you want to call it that, definitely <laughs> played a little bit into it. But um, I, I like Kadarius Tony. Maybe not this week, like you said, temper expectations, but long-term rest of the season, I think that he could have some nice value. Cordell Patterson is back in practice for the Falcons. He began his 21-day practice window and the Falcons can activate him at any point during that time, uh, you know, and we'll see when he'll be back. He said he's at 90% uh, himself, so we'll see, mm -hmm. you know, if they choose to activate the, him this week or the following week. My guess would be the following week, but we'll see. Yeah. When he's back, I'd say he's probably like an RB2 start right away, like on, mm -hmm. in his first game back. And like whenever they do activate him, I'm sure he'll be good to go. The way the Falcons run the ball, and use running backs in general. You know, it's not only just running the ball that they're using running backs for. Obviously, obviously Tyler Algier has been getting receiving work. Um, I, I think that when he comes back, I think RB2 is like his floor, kind of. And I, I'm not saying I'm like overly excited. I'm not saying you're going to be able to have him with RB1 upside every week. But I think that, you know, what he's going to give you is going to be very similar to what we saw at the beginning of the season. Um, hopefully, there's no second half die out like there was last season. But, um, you know, obviously, the backfield has more capable runners. Um, then it looked like we were going to have heading into the season. Obviously, obviously Tyler Algier has panned out a little bit, you know, as a receiver and Caleb Huntley's doing his thing, but I'm not sure, you know, they'd have to have Huntley on the field a whole lot. If Cordero Patterson can take the majority of the rushing snaps and then Tyler Algier can continue to do things in the passing game. Yeah. It would probably be those two Patterson and Algier. Yeah. That would be my guess. You know, we'll see what happens when Damian Williams is back. I have no idea where he falls in this pecking order, but he he is on IR, so we'll see what happens with him. I think at this point with Damian Williams having missed so much time, I think he's just kind of an odd man out. You know, I, I think that I'm not sure if he's going to get a whole lot of work coming back, especially with the way the rest of these running backs are playing. And the offense is doing well. You know, there's really no need to you know fix it if it isn't broken. And obviously they're four and four, but I think they have the guys at, in the backfield. I wouldn't be surprised if you know I'm not going to say they're going to cut him. But I, I don't think they really have a necessity for another running back um, on the roster at this point. I mean, Caleb Huntley's doing it. So I think I think that we could see him kind of be an odd man out. I don't know, man. I don't know about that. I mean, he was the All RB1 right. coming into the season, right? So, like, I, I don't know if that's the case. I think he's going to compete, and he might be able to uh, – he might be the RB2. That's his, He might be the RB2 on this team behind Cordell Patterson. Yeah, it's very possible. Say. I, I could – I can see it happen. I can see it happen. I, at the very least, maybe he's he's a better running back than Caleb Huntley. 
Yeah. You know, these running backs that, have looked good because the Falcons offensive line has been really, really good. Yeah. And you know, they've been opening up crazy <laughs> holes. Yeah, seriously. And uh, yeah, and, the, and you mentioned that yesterday. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's like it's he's he's one of those running backs where like I'm not really holding on any type of hope for fantasy purposes, but yeah. I can see him being a part of uh, some sort of rotation at mm-hmm. some point. Just, just just to throw off, you know, Cordell Patterson, just so he can have, you know, <laughs> those two or three rough weeks where you wonder, okay, is this guy going to be a solid RB2 for me? Or is he a low-end RB2 with upside? Like, you know, I think that's what he's going to end up doing if he does anything. But like I said, if I had to bet, you know, I'm not a gambling man, but if I had to bet, you know, I think Tyler Algier has done enough that they're happy to have him at RB2 and that Damian Williams will kind of be floating underneath them on the depth chart. That's just me, though, from what I've seen. I am, I am a gambling man. <laughs> and we're going to talk about some underdog, uh, you know, pick for tonight's game. And so let's get, get into the Thursday night football preview. The Texans are going to have no wide receivers left tonight yeah. against the Eagles. Uh, Brandon Cooks probably won't play. He's been frustrated through this trade process and he hasn't been practicing. So and then you have Nico Collins, who isn't playing either because of a groin injury. And their whole offense is going to be Damian Pierce. If they even have an offense at all tonight against an Eagles team, they they should probably just wave the white flag to and save everyone some time. I know that's tough to say, but you know this but, but is us, not looking like a great matchup. But for, but for us, they're wearing their battle red helmets. Like, come on! Oh, <laughs> they're no wearing wonder. the battle reds. They can't wave a white flag now. You know they got those no wonders on. Yeah, that's what it is. No, 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 no. I think you're onto something here, and I think. You know, the Eagles are 13-point favorites in this game, mm-hmm. right? But our sponsor for this episode, Preciser, who is, you know, a data and algorithm-based projection projection platform, they're expecting a trap game, according to their website. Really? They're expecting the Eagles to win, but they have a projected score for this game at 22 to 21. Eagles win. I don't know. Whatever algorithm, <laughs> whatever algorithm is producing that has some cojones. That algorithm, that computer, that AI, whatever it is, got yeah. some cojones. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it turns out tonight. Yeah. Uh, but just some words about Preciser as a thank you for sponsoring this episode. Uh, like I said, they're a data-driven analytics and algorithm uh, platform. Uh, they help you make game predictions to help you make better bets, make it, make, help you make better start-sit decisions make better DFS lineups. And I'll have the link in the description, but you can check them out at preciser.io slash prediction. Make sure you use the code upper hand to get 30% off the first three months of their pro package that ends up coming out to only $6,900 a month to get all their data. They have a free, their free package as well. They have a Jersey giveaway that's up on my Instagram right now. Um, so you can go check that out. And yeah, so if you don't want to commit, you can check out the free package, but make sure you use the code upper hand when you do sign up. But going back to this game, Miles Sanders, right? Like, like I, I don't know who's right here, Vegas or Preciser. But at the end of the day, like, this is a really good matchup. However, the Eagles went up big against the Steelers last week, and they ended up using a committee towards the end of that game. And, you know, Miles Sanders had less than 10 carries, even yeah. though he was extremely efficient. And this is a great game on matchup on paper for Sanders. But does he end up doing his thing? I think with whatever carries he's going to get, he's going to do really well. We saw Derrick Henry just tear this defense apart last week. And I'm not saying that Miles Sanders is Derrick Henry. He's far from it. And it's not to, you know, throw shade at Miles Sanders. He's just a different running back. And the way that he's being used, um, 
I think his ceiling is a little bit capped just because of his usage. His talent is there. I think he's going to have a very good night. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes over 20 fantasy points. I, I think that, you know, if they're going to go up, which I assume that the Eagles are going to, um, they could end up using him to kind of salt the game away. I think that we're going to see a little bit more of Kenneth Gainwell, you know, maybe some Boston Scott mixed in towards the end of the game. I wouldn't be surprised if Miles Sanders' night is relatively done by the third quarter, unless this game's close, which I don't expect. But, um, yeah, I, I like Miles Sanders as a start this week. I know we haven't ranked a little bit higher than he usually is, but this is just an ideal matchup. This Houston Texans defense, the rush defense, is pretty horrific. <laughs> It really is, man. It really is, and and you're right. You know, uh, you know, if he, he, all he needs is like you know, 13 carries. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. He's going like to have a yards. touchdown. All right, let's put it that way. He's going to have a touchdown. Yeah. I, I think so. I, I would say that, so. Is that an underdog prop? Can we get that? Yeah, it is not. But you know what, man? Like, I'm kind of scared about that one. Like, I'm actually not touching Miles Sanders tonight. All right, his uh, his rushing yard, uh, you know, oh. Uh, higher lower is at like seventy eight yards or something like that or something like that and I'm 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 not touching it I, I the ones go, I am yeah I wouldn't go with the yardage bet that that would right that's mine. what I'm saying yeah, I wouldn't go with the yardage bet but definitely a touchdown I think a touchdown bet I'll go with yeah yeah and they don't have that unfortunately so yeah. however Derek Stingley right who is the cornerback the rookie cornerback for the for the Texans like he's looked good this year however. You know, he's given up some plays, okay? Mm -hmm. And there's a chance that he shadows A.J. Brown. There's a good chance he shadows A.J. Brown in this game. He's allowed the most yards per route run against him in the NFL among qualifying quarterbacks. So yeah, I'm going to go with the over, with the higher on yards for A.J. Brown. At 74 and a half receiving, I'm going to go over that line. Yeah, I'm also going to go under on the yards for Devontae Smith at 55 and a half, because the Texans outside of that have been pretty solid on the perimeter. And he, Devontae Smith has gone lower than that in three of his last four games. Okay. Yeah. I like Jake Elliott, the kicker for the Eagles to go over one and a half field goals tonight with the Eagles probably going up in this game. So I would expect them to like, you know, move the ball and be able to kick some field goals when they're up. Yeah. And then I have Davis Mills under 219.5 passing yards. Because who is he throwing the ball to? Yeah. I, I just <laughs> I just don't see it. I don't see a lot of production here. Okay. And then I have Damian Pierce over 16 rushing attempts because I kind of feel like they're going to close their eyes, not look at the scoreboard, and just keep feeding him the ball. <laughs> yeah. Even, even if they're down, I think Pierce is just going to get the ball. So uh, on the ground. Uh, and that's kind of where the Eagles' vulnerability is, like, you know, on the ground. And I would, you know, attack that if I was the Texans. So I think Damian Pierce gets over, uh, you know, higher, higher than 16 rushing attempts. So, you know, if you put all five of these uh, into an entry, which is the max amount you can put in an entry on underdog, you're going to 20x your money. Okay. So if you put in 50 bucks, you're going to end up with $1,000 at the end of the, end of the night. If all of these come right, you know, you can choose three, which will 6x your money. You can choose four, which will 10x your money, or you can choose all five. And that was 20 extra money here. All right. Make sure you use the code upper hand on underdog fantasy. That will double your deposit up to $100. So you get some free money to play with. Why not? All right. Yeah. So enjoy tonight's game. If you can, it might not be great, but this will definitely help you enjoy it for sure, because you'll have some stuff to root for. All right. Yeah. If they're trying to make prime video any more enticing, could they pick a better game? Right. <laughs> what, the, what prime video needs to do is put underdog, all the underdog over-unders, higher lowers on the side, 
right? Yeah. They have just an underdog view. That'll be well, did you see that they have like um, is it Prime Vision or something as an alternate broadcast where they show mm-hmm. like real time stats and stuff like that? They need to put that's underdog dope. stuff there. All the betting, you know, because that's all anyone <laughs> cares about tonight. We know how the game's true, going man. to end, so I, I, that would be pretty funny. But um, yeah, if the Texans are going to do anything tonight, if they're going to make it anything close to a football game. It's going to be through Damian Pierce. So one hundred percent. I, I'm not exactly. overly excited about it because this Eagles defense is good. I'm not sure. <laughs> Damien Pierce, you know, he's very good, but I don't think he can be a one-man show on an offense that has Davis Mills, you know, and no receivers. They know what they're going to be doing the whole game. Uh, it's going to be a, a tough night for Damien P- Pierce. He'll be sore tomorrow for sure. <laughs> and the good thing about uh, – he will be sore tomorrow. And the good thing about Damien Pierce is that last week he got the two-minute offense. You know, he's kind of turning into an every-down back here. So if that if that's the case, hopefully he gets peppered in the passing game when they do go down. Yeah. If they do go down. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's get into the quarterback rankings. Let's get into it. Um, we have Josh Allen at number one. No surprise. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter what the matchup is. Jalen Hurts at number two. Also doesn't matter what the matchup is tonight. He's going to do his thing. Patrick yeah. Mahomes at three in a good matchup at home against Tennessee. Then we have Lamar Jackson at four. He'll be without Rashad Bateman. He might be without Mark Andrews. If Mark Andrews is out, he'll have Isaiah Likely, so that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but that's a one-for-one you know, replacement in my book. Yeah, you know? pretty much. Obviously, you know, Mark Andrews is very good. You can't say Isaiah Likely is Mark Andrews, but Lamar is clearly just as happy throwing Isaiah Likely as he is Mark Andrews. So I think that's like, even though Mark Andrews would be out, it's not a, as big a loss as maybe Rashad Bateman, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I, I agree. And like Lamar might not just have the upside without these two guys, but the h- very, very high floor is always there for yeah. Lamar. So you're going to have him in your lineup. Definitely. At number five, we have Kyler Murray. He had one of his best fantasy days, days against Minnesota last week, threw for 326 yards, which was a season high. And it was his first three passing touchdown game this season. This is what we were expecting from Kyler Murray coming into the year. Yeah. It was a lot closer to what we were expecting from Kyle, from Kyler Murray coming into the year. I had higher expectations. You know, I've seen what he's done to start the past two seasons where he had multiple games over 30 points. And he's just tearing it up on the ground and through the air, just going crazy. Obviously, missing DeAndre Hopkins hurt him a little bit, and he's looked a lot better these past two games, you know, with DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup. And Rondell Moore is coming on, too, so that's been helping him out a lot. I think that we're going to see more games like this moving forward. I don't think this game against Seattle is going to be like it was the last time they played. I think that was like two or three weeks ago. We had them pick um, Geno Smith and Kyler Murray, you know, pegged for big games, and it didn't really happen. It finished like 19 to 9. It was just weird. But um, both defenses showed up to play that day. I think we're going to see something a lot different from that this time around in Arizona. It's at home. So for Kyler Murray, I I think it's going to be really good. DeAndre Hopkins is back in the lineup. Um, I think we're going to start to see, you know, some – High-end fantasy football Kyler Murray gameplay. I think we're going to see more of what we saw last week than what we saw the first few weeks. I, I like him at five this week. Um, you know, I think he's one of the safest options with one of, one of the nicest ceilings given, you know, the floor they had. And imagine when Hollywood comes back. Oh, yeah. Like, I have Kyler Murray in a couple leagues. And when Hollywood comes back, and if Hopkins stays healthy too, you might be looking at some serious upside in the fantasy playoffs. 
Oh yeah. That's just that's the hope. Mm-hmm. That that's what happens. So holding out hope for Kyler Murray to have that ceiling at some point when the best, you know, <laughs> the best possible time he can potentially yeah. hit that ceiling. Obviously last week was very encouraging from what we saw yes. the first few weeks. I remember I was I remember I said uh was it last week? I said if Kyler Murray doesn't have a good day against the Vikings, you know, it's time to hit the panic button. Yeah. Luckily, the panic button has made its way to the edge of my desk. It's not <laughs> gone completely, but it was before it was right here front and center. You know, I could slap it just like that. Now it's just the side of my desk, right to the edge. So I'm not worried about him right now. If he can have another good game, you know, panic button's gone. I, I'm ready for Kyler Murray to come back and have a good fantasy, end to the fantasy season. I have Justin Fields as my sixth-ranked quarterback this week, ahead of Justin Herbert, ahead of Geno Smith, ahead of Joe Burrow. Two straight monster games from him in New England and in Dallas. Yeah. Two tough matchups, and he came through big time. Top 12 quarterback each of the last four weeks, and now he goes up against Miami, a team who can put up points. Have They have given up the fourth most passing yards this year. They picked off quarterbacks only four times so far this year, and they've given up, they've given up the fifth most rushing yards to quarterback, mainly thanks to Lamar Jackson having a 100-yard game against them early this year. But Fields also has a new wide receiver in Chase Claypool, and I think he continues the ascension that we've seen from him over the past few games. I think this is the perfect spot to do it against a Dolphins team that is very offense-centered. You know, obviously they just picked up Bradley Chubb, so that makes this a little bit more concerning because, you know, we've seen Justin Fields struggle a little bit against a good pass rush, but He's kind of put that to rest. He's kind of quieted a little bit. Obviously, he still takes some sacks, and you know that's just how it's going to be against some good defenses in the Patriots and the Cowboys. But um, for the most part, you know he got it done, and he's been able to produce despite you know being sacked a few times. The offense is looking like it's being catered towards him now. He's no longer being forced to fit into an offense that's just a run-heavy scheme. He's dropping back more, and we said that hasn't necessarily tra- translated to more passing attempts, but it allows him opportunities to scramble too. It's just like a perfect storm. You know, obviously on the heels of his best game, he gets Chase Claypool, like you said. Now he's going back home. I I think that this is a really nice spot for him to, you know, kind of solidify himself here in the top 10, maybe even the top five. You know, I I like Justin Fields, his upside more than Justin Herbert at this point, because now Justin Herbert's missing a bunch of uh, weapons that he has. You know, obviously Mike, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are out. So, and he hasn't looked the same, like we said. So I think Justin Fields at six, it might seem a little bit aggressive, but I think that, you know, from a fantasy perspective, they might not be winning games, but he's getting it done for you each, each week because of his rushing floor, which is really nice. I think he has rushed touchdowns in two of the last three games. So it might be three. I don't know. But I'm not sure. But the rushing upside's there. I like him a lot, much more so than Justin Herbert at this point. The battle of the Justins, you're yeah. going with Justin Fields. And okay. the funny thing is, I have both of them in one league, and I'm starting Justin Fields. So, oh, I love there that. There you go. There you go. That. So, I have the you know empirical data to back up my claim. I'm not just telling you guys to start Justin Fields, <laughs> and then I'm gonna turn around and start Justin Herbert. No, I'm starting Justin Fields this week. So yes, Justin Fields has scored in over the last two games. Yeah, uh, on the ground each of the last two games. I mentioned Justin Herbert at seven. Still fairly confident in him this week, despite not having his primary weapons. But it's Atlanta, and he can get it done. So I'm okay starting him. This week, Tua at 10 against Chicago. Uh, solid play this week, given the weapons he has at his disposal. Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins at 11 against Washington. He has an upgrade at tight end in TJ Hawkinson. We'll see how much he plays this week. Um, but either way, it's a solid matchup for him. Trevor Lawrence at 12. I like him this week. Uh, the Raiders have given up the most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. So I think he's a pretty solid play. 
Yeah, and you know, obviously Trevor Lawrence didn't have a very awesome day in London. You know, it was his first was it his first time going over there or his second time going over there to London? So obviously it might be he, second. He, I think it was the second. Yeah, because they won, was it last year? Um, I forget who they beat. The Dolphins, funny enough. But um, yeah, before last week where he had a bit of an abomination of a game, obviously against a good Denver defense. The past two weeks before that, you know, he was getting it done. I think he's good enough to the point where, you know, again, in a good matchup against the Raiders defense, the Raiders defense has just been torn apart this season. I, I think that he can get it done. You know, he still has his full complement of weapons. He's finding a connection with, you know, Evan Ingram of all people. Travis Etienne is going to be tearing it up and that gives him, uh, you know, something to lean on when they have to, so he doesn't have to throw the ball downfield the whole time. You know, he just check it down and have Travis Etienne make plays. I think at this point, there's enough weapons in the Jags offense and they're desperate enough that they'll be throwing a lot, you know, that this could end up being a good game. It could end up being a shootout. These are two really desperate teams with rough-ish defenses and, you know, enough playmakers on offense to make this interesting in terms of a scoring perspective. So I, I like Trevor Lawrence here. I think this is a good ranking for him. At 13, I have Aaron Rodgers against Detroit, followed by Marcus Mariota. Tom Brady all the way down at 15, unfortunately. How are you feeling about Brady against the Rams this week? Is this too low? Um. I don't think it's too low. I mean, when I look at this game, I'm like, my, how the mighty have fallen. Because this was, what, the divisional round game last year? Or was it the wild card? I forget what it was. But it was... I think it was divisional. Yeah. And that was a really good game. But it's like, how these teams have come down to earth, you know, since then. It's not as exciting of a matchup for me on paper. And neither of these quarterbacks, you know, obviously we have Matthew Stafford here at 20, Tom Brady at 15. I don't think either of them are playing enough. Tom Brady's got too much going on off field. I think it's starting to affect his on field play. Um even though he has pretty much his full complement of weapons now with Julio Jones back, um, you know, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, he's just not playing as well as he was. The offense isn't clicking the way that it was the past two seasons. I, I don't think this is too low. I, th I think 15 is right about where I'd have him because he has next to no rushing upside. He doesn't really run the ball at all. And if he's not, he's not throwing picks, but he's also not throwing touchdowns. It kind of just leaves him right in the middle. You know, he's throwing for lots of empty yards. And that's the way that yeah. he's been producing. I think that's what he's going to continue to do. Because, you know, neither of these teams are that good. I don't think this has um, shootout potential, but I don't think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. I think it could just be like, you know, a 250-yard one-touchdown day for Tom Brady. And that's right where he would be if he doesn't throw any interceptions here in the, as a um, high QB, too. Let me ask you a question. If you had to guess, how many games has Tom Brady thrown for over one touchdown this year? I'm going to go with two. One. He's that, was thrown for, that was against the Chiefs. He threw for three touchdowns against the Chiefs. Every other game, he's thrown one touchdown, except against Carolina where he threw zero. Yeah. So, so, so what you said, two lines yards right and a touchdown, that line's right up. Yeah. Pretty much. It, it, that's what it is. It, with Tom Brady, it's like empty calories, you know? It's like he's doing all this. They're pushing the ball downfield, but they're not scoring. Like, it, it makes no sense. Uh, I wouldn't expect it from a Tom Brady offense, but at this point, you know, it's – we can't say it's, you know, just a, a weird trend and it'll wear off at some point. I think now we're pretty much entrenched and this is the way it's going to be moving forward unless something changes big time. Um, uh, maybe Tom Brady's mind clears up, you know, as this divorce settlement blows over. But I, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen because the offense just isn't clicking. Mike Evans is dropping deep bombs like this is just <laughs> it's unprecedented <laughs> territory. You know what I'm saying? And obviously yeah, we're still hanging yeah. on to that from two weeks ago, but it's just not the same offense that it was. I think this is where we're going to have Tom Brady um, until further notice. You know, it sucks because this is what he came back for. Yeah. You know, and 
this is you know if he if he stayed you know like listen I don't know what's going on with him and Giselle but I'm assuming it's football I'm assuming yeah. a lot of it is because he came back for this season and like was it worth it right mm-hmm. but like who knows who knows what else is going on right like it, it's like you know as a married man myself with a couple of kids it's just a sad situation you know yeah. and like you know you just wish that you know things could be different but you know who knows right everyone needs to make their individual decisions and like you, you never know what's going on there was right? tom brady it, it just, you know it, it, it's sad was tom brady re-signed to like an extension or anything i think it was a two-year no. contract they signed with tampa oh was it I think I think it was. I don't know. I don't know if he was resigned, but maybe he looks to go on the move. You know, if he's not gonna get it done in Tampa, maybe he'll just go to another contender. We'll see. <laughs> Try to revive it that way. I, this, I think I think you're right. I think is, he did end up. Yeah, I think he did end up going uh, signing a two year, two year, fifty million dollar deal, and maybe he does retire after this year um, and ride off into the sunset single as fuck. Like that'd be hilarious. I, I, I don't know if he's gonna do that. You know, I, I think he's gonna look at the field and be like, "Well, if I'm here, I might as well stay for a little while." You know, it's not. I mean, he's not playing the same, but you know, he might have a little extra in the tank. You know, obviously at this point, he's a very old quarterback by any standard. But you know, it's Tom Brady, so you don't want to write him off completely. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see him turn around and go look around, see if he could get on another team for just one more year. Because at this point. This offensive production is just kind of showing shades of what New England's offense was doing when he was in his waning years there. So I, I think that maybe he turns around. Did somebody forget to tell him that the trade deadline was this week? You know, <laughs> you didn't demand a trade? I'm not sure. We'll see how it goes. But I, I think Tom Brady, you know, right now, this is where he's going to be the rest of the season. <laughs> All right, Zach. Uh, go ahead and take the rest of the quarterback rankings. I'll be right back. All right, cool. So Andy Dalton, we have at 16 followed by Taylor Heineke at 17, Derek Carr at 18, Jared Goff 19, and Matthew Stafford at 20. Andy Dalton has quietly been getting it done, and maybe not so quietly. Obviously, the Saints offense has been really uh, productive without James Winston in the lineup, which is weird to think because I wasn't thinking that Andy Dalton was going to be able to do this. But it's been not only better for the offense as a whole, but also Alvin Kamara. I think as long as Andy Dalton's starting and they're going up against a bad Baltimore defense, you know, I think they should be able to get things done and keep producing like they've been the past few weeks. I'm not worried about Andy Dalton at all. Surprisingly, um, I I might even put Andy Dalton over Tom Brady this week just because, I mean, we're just looking at the rankings here. I might put Andy Dalton over Tom Brady because of the way he's been playing has been much more fantasy conducive than the way Tom Brady's been playing. I'll take the guy that has a chance to throw two or three touchdowns, maybe 200, 240 yards, then Tom Brady, who has, like I said, 250 for one touchdown. We'll welcome back for us. He's kind of here. I'm not sure if he's gonna jump on, but he'll be in here shortly. Taylor Heineke at 17. I mean, he he's looking, he's looking like what the commanders need right now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's not a bad quarterback, and that's why he always seems to come in. You know, as soon as Washington has lost all hope, he comes in and he wins a few games. People question. Why hasn't he been starting the whole time? And then he has a bad game, and you remember why he wasn't starting the whole time. We said about this, I think, a week or two ago when he first got the job. But he's looked good. You know, he's been like, you know, a dollar store fantasy quarterback with a little bit of rushing upside. Uh, he should be able to get it done for you this week. I think that he'll be able to set set you up nicely, especially if you're hurting because of buys this week. You know, you may you might maybe have Dak, maybe you have another guy that's on buy. You you should be able to get by with Taylor Heineke at this point. No, he's a solid streamer. At home against Minnesota, he he's been using his weapons like pretty nicely. Like he's been using his running backs out of the backfield too. Yeah, right. So like you know, one thing to keep in mind too, like you know, we're gonna talk about Antonio Gibson later, JD McKissick. 
a little bit banged up right now. Something to keep an eye on. But, yeah. you know, Gibson has been looking good for him in the in the receiving game lately. So he has another weapon that he's been using you know, in addition to Curtis Samuel and, uh, you know, his boy, Tyre McLaurin, who's been killing it lately. Yeah. You know, Since with, Taylor Heineke's come back. With, yeah. with, with the new quarterback. That, that might have uh, been all you needed. You know, obviously Carson Wentz wasn't happy throwing to him. So if Taylor Heineke's going to throw to him, you know, they paid him all that money. Might as well make the most of him. <laughs> 100%. All right. Uh, let's see. At 18, we have Derek Carr at Jacksonville. He's really disappointed over the last two weeks coming out the bye. Um, he yeah, couldn't really. get anything going against the Saints, which is a very, very – it was a beatable matchup, man, especially without Marshawn Lattimore. Like mm-hmm. like we like we mentioned, Derek Carr, when one, when we need him to come through in a good matchup, he ain't going to come through. So I have no. him at 18 here. He's probably going to finish at, like, the quarterback nine this week, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's how it goes we talked about that yesterday if we rank him high he'll he'll finish low if we rank him low he'll finish relatively high yeah pretty much uh jared goff at 19 in a tough matchup against green bay followed by stafford at number 20 let's get into the running back rankings austin Eckler at one he's the entire chargers offense <laughs> yes <laughs> at this point right like <laughs> Like, like that's it. That's all they got. So he's probably going to get like 14 targets in this game. He's going at this point, based on the wide receivers being out, he's going to break the record for most targets and most receptions by a running back this year. Like, it's going to happen. As long yeah. as he stays healthy, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> that, that's, that's what's going to have to be. You know, obviously, it hurt having one of their receivers out, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is still playing. That hurt already. We saw Ke- um, maybe Justin Herbert's play declining a little bit is because of that. He doesn't have that. Um, reliable receiver to throw to. Obviously, Mike Williams is reliable, but he's more of a big play threat. Now they're missing both. Like you said, at this point, now Austin Eckler is RB1 and wide receiver one. <laughs> he's going to be doing his thing um, this week. Regardless, I think this is one of the safest um, number one rankings that we're going to have You know, this season. I think that him at one this week is a perfect, perfect spot. And you know, Atlanta's defense isn't that good, so he should be able to take advantage of that pretty well. Um, I'd be smashing the overs on a lot of his uh, receiving uh, props. Yeah, for sure. I have Alvin Kamara at number two this week, and the usage has been bonkers lately. He's had yeah. the highest weighted opportunity of any running back not named Austin Eckler over the past couple of weeks. Over his past four games, he's averaging almost 25 touches a game, seven catches per game, and 145 total yards per game. And our data analytics partner, Preciser, has this game at a total of 50 points with an implied total for New Orleans at 28 points, with which is one of the highest implied totals for the week. And the Ravens yeah. have given up the the Ravens have given up the fourth most receptions and the sixth most receiving yards to running backs this season. So Kamara is back. He's doing his thing. Yeah. Thank you, Andy Dalton. Who would have thought we'd be saying that? <laughs> you know, obviously the offense looked good enough with James Winston last season, but with Andy Dalton, it seems like the whole offense is clicking on a new level. And like I said, Alvin Kamara, he's, he's kind of proven me wrong. It didn't look like the offense was going his way. But since Andy Dalton stepped in, you know, he's doing his thing. So I will concede he looks like, you know, a high-end RB1 right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I have him at RB2 right now. Um, at number three, we have Derrick Henry. The Chiefs have let up a bit against the run lately earlier on the season. They're kind of stout against running backs on, on the ground on a per-carry basis. But over the past four weeks, they've given up almost 5.8 yards per carry to running backs. So... The only thing here is that we'll see if the Titans can stay with the Chiefs in this game. If the Chiefs go up big, you know, if you look at the Titans' past games, like with Derrick Henry going off, like they haven't really faced any good offenses, right? right? And Henry has been able to take advantage of that. So if the game script shifts in this one, we might see a different outcome for Henry. 
but you're starting him either way. Yeah, there's not there's not a world where you don't start Derrick Henry if he plays. That that's the bottom yeah. line. You know, there's good matchups and there's bad matchups. I think even if Kansas City goes up, I think that the Titans defense, you know, which is on a bit of a hot streak recently, like you said, they haven't played um, really many good offenses recently but mm-hmm. they're on a bit of a hot streak so that momentum can carry into this game it might help them to hold it within you know derrick henry's striking distance you know what i'm saying so where even if they're if they're up two touchdowns that's not where you abandon the run you know i don't think that they're going to be up two touchdowns um for most of the game i think that's just titans should be able to keep it relatively competitive and a big reason for that is probably going to be derrick henry i don't have any reservation about starting derrick henry as a high-end rb1 and if he does any worse you know i don't think it's his floor is much lower then RB1. I have Travis Etienne at number four, and this might be a little bit aggressive. But I don't think so. Ra- you don't think so? That's what I'm talking about, man. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. I, but, I don't you think know, so. You look at the, what the Raiders have given up this season, right? The Raiders have given up the third most fantasy points per game to running backs. The third most fantasy po- – like, that's for the season, right? Yeah. Over the past four weeks, the third most fantasy points per game to running backs. Over the past two weeks, the third most fantasy points per game to running backs. So that yeah. just tells you that the Raiders – consistently stink against running backs and they've been giving up a ton <laughs> of production to running backs this yeah. year. And and that's despite the Raiders like being relatively solid against running backs for the most part on the ground on a per mm-hmm. carry basis. Like it just hasn't mattered. They just have been, you know, giving up fantasy points in terms of the touchdowns and receptions and all that. Uh so ETN should continue to do his thing. You know, he saw a bunch of t- touches last week, and he got it done in a big way. He's 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 their bell cow at this point. Yeah, uh, that's the bottom line. Uh, but Travis Etienne, you say, does it feel a little aggressive having him at four? I don't think so. I mean, look at the rest of the field. Dalvin Cook has been he's been heating up a little bit, but the upside really isn't there. He hasn't been as explosive, you know. I don't think as Travis Etienne has been. Aaron Jones is there, but he's only come on because of his receiving. He had a big game on the ground last week, but that I'm not sure if that's going to continue. That was just odd to see you know you'd, you'd figure after it was a little fluky yeah after a bunch of games of not getting it down on the ground just showing up with 143 yeah. yards that was a little weird Ramondre Stevenson we just saw Damien Harris cut in his workload Kenneth Walker you know he looked good uh his production was just a little bit modest for you know my taste obviously mm-hmm. um with what we had seen the, the previous two weeks you know Travis Etienne I think at this point you could argue maybe Josh Jacobs over him but I, yeah I think Travis Etienne is undeniably top five this week because you know, he did so well last week. And that was against a good Denver defense. It, it, it really was. And, and you know, Josh Jacobs, I, I would have put him at number four if it was a little bit of, of a better matchup. And the way the Raiders have been looking over the past two weeks, you know, hasn't been great. Um, yeah. And I have him at five here. You know, hopefully they'll be able to move the ball more this week against Jacksonville. Now, the Jaguars have allowed the six most fantasy points to running backs this year. Jacobs only had one bad week. So I'm hoping that he can bounce back this week. Yeah. And then you have Kenneth Walker at six, solid matchup against Arizona. Dalvin Cook at seven, who's been getting it done lately, right? He's been getting the work, he's been getting the touchdowns, and he's been being he's been able he's been being he's been used in the receiving game also lately, which is really yeah. good to see. Yeah, it's good news for Dalvin Cook. Um, like I said, the volume is kind of becoming a necessity at this point, which is weird. You know, obviously he wasn't getting that. 100%. A couple of weeks ago, it looked a little bit more like a committee. It was a little too close to a committee for comfort, for me at least, especially if I drafted Dalvin Cook high. He's getting closer to cracking that ceiling that we were talking about him having, but he hasn't really had that massive game that you know we really think he's supposed to have. I'm not sure if that's going to come 
you know, at this point, especially with, you know, the Vikings getting a new weapon in the passing game. They're obviously a pass first offense. Kirk Cousins is getting it done. Justin Jefferson isn't going to go away. Um, Adam Thielen is a nice compliment. And like I said, with TJ Hawkinson there, I'm not sure how many targets are going to be go, going around. Um, that receiving work that he's gotten recently might dwindle a little bit again down the line. But I think that he's still, you know, a safe play as a running back. He's just not, you know, what we wanted him to be necessarily. That's not a bad thing. He's doing what he needs to do to produce for you. Aaron Jones, I have him at eight, which is a little high for him usually, but he's had two good games. Uh, he's still not so easy to trust, but yeah. he has a good matchup against Detroit this week. So you're hoping that he's able to continue doing what he's doing. And, you know, last week he had a big game on the ground. He got the volume as well in a negative game script, right, against the yeah. Bills, and he was able to get it done in a, in a tough matchup. So the hope is that the, the Packers see that he's able to, like, continue, you know, to be really effective on the ground, and hopefully that he gets his touches this week. Yeah, that's kind of where you you cross your fingers when you put him in your lineup. I'm like, hopefully he yeah. gets the touches that he needs to actually produce. Because yeah. in reality, you know, Aaron Jones, he doesn't need that many touches to do well. You know, he's not a guy where you have to hand him the ball like 25 times for him to have a nice game. Um, I forget somebody was doing that um, earlier this season. I, for, I forget who, but I'm just trying to come up with a comparison. But you get the idea. Aaron Jones, he doesn't need that many touches. He just sometimes he gets it, sometimes he doesn't. He's gotten it the past two weeks, you know. Obviously, two weeks ago in the in the receiving game, and then he just got a bunch of – he was really efficient on his carries last last week against a good Bills defense. This is a really good matchup, which makes me a little bit more – you know, a little bit less hesitant to start him. But I think that you still have to consider that the touches might not be there 100% and that the Packers' offense isn't anything close to what it's been, um, obviously, in the past. Reminder, Stevenson, I have him here at nine. I had to put him up here, man. Like, you know, despite Damian Harris, you know, getting a little bit of that share back last week, yeah. Stevenson has just simply been getting it done regardless, right? And he's been heavily used in the receiving game as well. Um, and, you know, Indy, on the low, they've let up a, a little bit against the run. They've, give, they've given up 4.9 yards of carry over the last four weeks. So this is turning into a decent matchup. And, you know, who knows if Indy is going to be able to move the ball so well, you know, with a banged up Jonathan Taylor, you know, with Ellinger at quarterback against the Patriots. So this might be a situation where, you know, Stevenson and Damian Harris, uh, who I think I have in the top 30, I think I have him right at RB30 this week, um, yeah. could potentially, you know, ha have a, have some volume against this team. Yeah, I like Ramondre Stevenson at nine. He is far and away, you know, the best running back at this point for fantasy. I'm not sure. I think Damian Harris is still talented. You know, I'm not saying that he should be starting over getting more touches than Ramondre Stevenson. That's just the way it's going to be. But as long as Ramondre Stevenson is getting these touches, you know, we haven't really seen um, a running back get this type of volume from Bill Belichick in a long time. So I, I think we're just going to roll with this, you know, let it keep happening. Ramondre Stevenson's done really well for you these past five weeks even. Um, I, I think it's going to continue. I don't see any, you know, scenario where he doesn't continue to do his thing unless he gets hurt. Um, at this point, it seems like he's a focal point of the offense and a good part of the offense at that. It's not like he's just, you know, there and they're using him because he's the only one there. With If you have Damien Harris behind you and you're still taking majority of the snaps, you're doing something right. Um, I, I think this is going to continue. He's going to be a continue, continue to be a nice piece the rest of the season. Um, you're probably really happy if you picked him up. I know you were pretty big on Ramondre Stevenson coming in this season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Joe Mixon at 10, Leonard Fournette at 11, Damian Pierce at 12. Um, the Texans will probably close their eyes, like I said, you know, at the box score, you know, give him some work. I yeah. think he'll continue to get some volume despite the tough matchup. So I'm I'm good starting him this week over Miles Sanders, who has a better matchup than him. 
Um, but I just, I'd rather start the every down guy who's going to get volume, who's been producing every single week. You know, last week it was a little tough, right? Uh, but I don't want to use that one game against them. Um, and he still was able to come through with, his, with a decent, you know, fantasy day for the most part. But Miles Sanders, you know, here at number 13, who are you starting? If you have to choose between one of these guys, like, are you choosing Sanders and the good matchup or, or are you choosing the volume with Damian Pierce? That's a really tough one. These guys are, you know, neck and neck for me. I think the safer option is going to be Damian Pierce. I think you're looking at better upside with Miles Sanders. Oh, mm. Okay. I'll put it this way. It's hard to explain, but you can see it right here. Maybe not. Damian Pierce's floor is lower than Miles Sanders, but his ceiling is also higher than Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders falls right in the middle where I feel like he's going to have a good game regardless. It's not going to be a, an extreme produ- production game for him. You know, it's not going to be like he's going to be really low or he's going to have 30 points. But I think like 18 to 21 is going to be right where Miles Sanders ends up falling. And then Damian Pierce, you know, he could have 25 points. He could also have eight points. So that's how I view this. Because of that, you know, if you're playing for upside, you'd start Pierce. If you're playing for safety, you'd start Sanders. I'm going to start Pierce, even though I just said to sell him on yesterday's Listen, episode. Man, I might start Pierce. You don't even need me on this episode because you could just debate with yourself. Yeah, you know I just saying? had a whole debate with myself. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting I to have it. that question posed. I'm just looking at these yep. rankings. I'm like, okay, for us yep. starting Damian Pierce, but I didn't think where I would start. I'm like, okay. <laughs> now, now, now I just, you know. Now I love I gotta, it. I, you know, and, and that's how you, you, you come up with like, you know, that's how you work through these type of decisions, you know. Yeah. So that's, I'm glad, I'm glad we were able to you know, hear that firsthand. I got to um, go check my lineup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got Jonathan Taylor, number 14, assuming that he does play. If he does end up playing, I'm starting him. You know, I'm not starting him as RB1, but I'm starting, has, starting him as, as a high in RB2, and I like Miles Sanders' matchup enough. And also, he's playing tonight, right? So if you have Taylor yeah. and Sanders, you don't know if Taylor's going to play. If he gets limited today, he might be out. So you're going to play Sanders in your lineup in a good matchup. Right. Jamal Williams at number 15 here. Like I mentioned, I have him right above DeAndre Swift, who I have at 16. DeAndre Swift, you know, when the head coach is coming out and saying, like, hey, like, this is not, he's not healthy. He's not, you know, all the way there. He only got, uh, you know, 10 touches opportunities this past week. He looked all right. Didn't look really great in the in the rush game, right? Um, and he's not all the way there. And they have a capable running back in Jamal Williams who's going to get volume. Uh, Green Bay is not good against the against the run. So if Jamal Williams gets 15 carries in this game, he could potentially be efficient on those 15 carries. And we know that he's the goal line guy, right? So they're, right. if they're able to move the ball a little bit, he's had two touchdowns in a bunch of games this year. So that sort of upside, I feel like I'd rather roll the dice on Jamal, you know, rather than I know that Jamal, if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's probably only giving you like six, seven, eight points, right? Because he yeah. might not have a hundred yard game, but like he'll have his 60, 70 yards on the ground. You know the the floor isn't so high, uh, but I'm okay with it because of the 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 upside that he presents with those goal line touchdowns. Yeah, uh, like I said, this whole running back situation in Detroit is going to come down the way that DeAndre Swift ends up falling on the practice report these next few days. Um, if he's limited, if he's limited or worse the rest of this week, if he doesn't start, if he doesn't have practice or he's limited the rest of this week, I'd have Jamal Williams starting over DeAndre Swift, but. If he gets, you know, a full practice in at any point this week, I'd, you know, feel pretty confident slotting DeAndre Swift in as my starter over Jamal Williams. If I had the choice, chances are you probably don't have both of them, but maybe you took, you know, Jamal Williams as a handcuff. Um, I'm not sure if you did, if how many people did that, but um, 
if you have to choose, you know, you know, just here, just scroll back 15 seconds. You'll hear what I said. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. <laughs> I um, could repeat it, but yeah, I, I think, I think yesterday we were talking about like, like, yeah, you can sell Jamal Williams. Um, and I think, I still think he's a, he's a solid sell, but like, if you have him, you, you play him as needed. But I was like, oh, like, oh, what? Are you really going to play him over Jonathan Taylor? And like, I literally have him one spot behind Jonathan yeah. Taylor here. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> wow, that, 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 that's funny. Um, hey, so well, you yeah, have Jonathan Taylor over him at the end of the day. And that's, that, that's <laughs> the truth. You're not going one to start, you're not going to start Jamal Williams over Jonathan Taylor unless Jonathan Taylor's injured, obviously. But yeah, <laughs> which he kind of is. So that's, that's kind of is. So you got, you got to think about it. It's a de yeah. decision to be made. Uh, this is a big tier gap at this point um but Deontay Foreman I have at 17 Chuba Harper did get a limited practice in on Wednesday um we'll see what his practice status is the rest of the week it is possible that he's limited all week if he is then Deontay Foreman is a very very solid start this week yeah. uh, against Cincinnati now Cincinnati's a tough matchup right and it is possible that the Panthers don't get anything going against this team right yeah. that is possible it is in Cincinnati too so you know you kind of have to temper expectations a little bit for this entire offense. Like don't expect them to like, you know, go crazy like they have over the past couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, I think, I still think that, you know, with, if, if Chuba Hubbard is a little bit banged up still, not a hundred percent, then it's going to be mostly Deontay Foreman uh, getting the bulk of the work and the way he's looked over the past couple of weeks, you know, he could have another good week. Yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, you talk about a clear tier drop off here. Um, I think that Deontay Foreman kind of, you know, rides that line a little bit. I mean, uh, Raheem Mostert, Devin Singletary, Khalil Herbert, that's a pretty big drop. I, I agree, especially if 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 um, Chuba Hubbard is still banged up. Like, I agree. I would put Deontay Foreman up up, oh, yeah. up, up, up here. Like, if if um, if Chuba Hubbard's out, I would probably put Foreman above Swift here. Yeah, that, and that's the way it'd have to be. Obviously, you know, Chuba Hubbard, his status isn't going to do too much in terms of our ranking of Deontay Foreman because, like we said, this offense, it should come back down to earth this week, you know, with Cincinnati being pretty good on defense, even though they did just get walloped by the Browns. But um, <laughs> that, that's for conversation for a different day. Deontay Foreman, you know, I, I think, like you said, I think the tier drop-off, he is like the transition between tiers, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. he has a chance to be really good, but he also has a chance to be not so good because the offense is that bad. Deontay Foreman did it. He got the workload, and that's really all you need. A hat trick. He showed us that he can do what he needs to do for fantasy when he gets the workload, but we're just not sure where the workload's going to look like, or the game script's probably not going to be the same. We'll see how he gets used. But I think Deontay Foreman's head and shoulders above Raheem Mostert, but also Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift are, you know, a step above Deontay Foreman at this point. He's like a he's a little he's like a page break. You know what I'm saying? He's yep. doing what he needs to do. And Raheem Mostert at 18, Devin Singletary at 19. Like, these two guys just got a couple running backs introduced into their backfields, yeah. right? And Mostert has a great matchup against Chicago on the ground. However, Jeff Wilson, you know, is going to get a full week of practice, right, with mm -hmm. the 49ers. I'm, I'm sorry, with the, with the Dolphins. And, you know, he knows the system. Like, this is yeah. his system that he's been in. So, like, it's not going to take, take much ramping up here. He's healthy. He's good to go. He's been efficient this year. And I can I can totally see Jeff Wilson being part of this rotation this week. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's tough because, like, you know, you had Raheem Mostert. He, you're riding him as a solid RB2. Great matchup this week. And I'm still going to start him as an RB2. But just kind of temper expectations. And for the possibility that Jeff Wilson's introduced as, like, a 1B to Raheem Mostert. Yeah. 
I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. We talked about this at length yesterday. I think Jeff, Jeff Wilson is going to have a role in this offense just because of the familiarity with Mike McDaniel and Raheem Moster. You know, this offensive scheme, they dropped Chase Evans to bring Jeff Wilson in. Somebody They're probably sitting there like, okay, we got rid of Chase Evans, you know. Who can we bring in, you know, at this point? Mike McDaniel sitting there. Who can we bring in that's going to fill that role? Because Chase Evans obviously didn't do it. Like, just get somebody that we know can do it. And they go get Jeff Wilson. So I think he's going to have a role. Definitely. I think Raheem Mostert, I, I, I might shove him down a few spots. Same with Devin Singletary. I, I think I'd move Khalil Herbert over both of them. Because like you said about yeah, like you said about the hot hand, we saw that in full swing last week. You know, Khalil Herbert still looked good. Um, we're starting to see more of a split between him and Montgomery at this point. Montgomery did lose that fumble. So Khalil, Khalil Herbert, not only did he not lose fumble, but I'd, I'd argue he looks a little bit more explosive than David Montgomery. Oh, yeah. Montgomery's a good running back. Don't get me wrong. But Khalil Herbert seems to be doing his thing right now. And if they're truly riding the hot hand, I think that 20 might be a little low, um, especially with Raheem Mostert and Devin Singletary about them. I, I really like Mostert's matchup. And I feel like, you know, he'll, I, I have a feeling he'll probably get a little bit more work than Khalil Herbert this week, even right. with Jeff Wilson potentially involved. But that's the reason why I have him at 18. De- Devin Singletary, we don't know, you know, what Naheem Hines' role is going to be. You know, so this is a situation where, like, all right, you know what? Like, I'm going to still have him in. He's still attached to a good offense. I'm like, you know what? Let me put Devin Singletary in there. And then Clear Herbert, I agree, man. Like, he is on his way, uh, you know, to potentially out, start out-touching, you know, David Montgomery on a regular basis. Now, you know, David Montgomery still saw 70% of the snaps last week, and Clear Herbert only saw 28% of the snaps. Yeah. Uh, however, the touch, you know, difference, differential between those two guys is shrinking. And, you know, I'd rather play, even though that, even though Dave Montgomery's playing 70% of the snaps, like I would rather play Khalil Herbert because he's doing more with his touches right now. Um, yeah. So I'm all about it. And this is a matchup, you know, with Justin Fields getting better. If we're going to project Justin Fields that high, we have to kind of move this entire offense with him. Right. So I'm, I'm, yeah. that's why I have Khalil Herbert here at 20. Um, let's move on to 21 here. Um, I think I have David Montgomery. Yeah. I have David Montgomery yeah. here at 21 um, right after him. Tyler Algier at 22 who's been leading Atlanta's backfield. If Cordell Patterson is back this week, I'll move him down. I don't think he's going to be back this week. I think they're going to give him an extra week. Right. Kenyon Drake at number 23, assuming Gus Edwards is out this week. Um, is Kenyon Drake too low if Gus Edwards is out, or is this about right? I have him right above Antonio Gibson and Michael Carter. He's not too low. I, I don't think you can rank him too low because we know he's liable to just throw up like a dud. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, the volatility that he presents has him this low. Obviously, in a vacuum, you look, oh, OK, running back, getting probably majority of the carries, you know, on an offense that's run first. He'd probably be as a mid RB2, you know, with without much competition. But this is Kenny Drake. And I think Lamar Jackson is going to be doing his thing. You know, he'll be making plays. Kenny Drake. I'm not a big fan of him in this offense from what I've seen so far. I'm not expecting him to suddenly be a lot better than he has been. I think this is just based off of, you know, the eye test and what we've seen. And you can't really rank him much higher than that. So I have Antonio Gibson after him. Keep an eye on um, J.D. McKissick's availability this week. He has an injury. He didn't practice on Wednesday. If he's out, you know, he actually split the passing down work a little bit with McKissick last week. And I don't know what, why. Like, I'm not sure if that was a role change, if McKissick was was banged up in that game. You know, we'll see. But if McKissick is out, Antonio Gibson is going to be moving up for me um, against Minnesota. He's going to be moving up to, I would say, let's say, I would move, if McKissick is out, I would move him above 
Raheem Mostert. That's what I was looking at too. Yeah, yeah, that's where I would move him above. I would move him at I, he would be at like number eighteen for me, yeah. because you know James, you know, listen, you know, we we talked about this, you know, ever since Brian Robinson was coming back, man, that Antonio Gibson is just a better running back, and that's it's proven out to be the case, man. Like he's been looking good, uh, he's been efficient, and you know he's being used in the pass game a little bit more, and now they're realizing like, oh, like this guy's actually pretty good. Yeah, no shit, he's he's <laughs> he's a good player. Um, yeah. So, you know, if he's going to assume the passing down work and then also get some carries on the ground, that means he has a role on all three downs with J.D. McKissick out, if he is out. Um, so I would move him up a little bit. So just keep that in mind moving forward. Okay. Yeah, they're taking advantage of, you know, his chops in the receiving game. Because, you know, we said about him being a receiver converted to running back. I think they're finally figuring that out. They did that early <laughs> on in the season. They're like, wait. He has hands. We can throw him the ball. We don't have to use him as a pure runner. And he can still get it done as a pure runner. But his full skill set, you know, they're finally maximizing it a little bit. I, I agree. You know, I've been a bit of an Antonio Gibson hater, not really because of his talent, but just because I thought that this coaching staff was, you know, done with him. I thought yeah. they were looking at Brian Robinson as a new toy. And, you know, Antonio Gibson's like, you know, like that Toy Story clip. I don't want to play with you anymore. It's like at this point now, it looks like Antonio Gibson, they're, they're rediscovering it. If you if you've been listening to me over the past couple of years, man, I've been high, then low, then high, then low on Antonio Gibson. It changes yeah. all the time, mm-hmm. and it's not. It's if I love the player, and the, he was used well, I was I'm gonna be high on him forever. Okay, yeah. but if the coaching staff doesn't seem interested, if they're bringing in Brian Robinson, if they're talking to other running backs, you know, during the draft process, all of that they're showing all the signs that they showed for Antonio Gibson for the past two years. I'm going to not be high on Antonio Gibson. Okay, it's all yeah. about opportunity at the end of the day. And if you're a talented running back and you're not getting the opportunity, it doesn't matter. You ain't going to be fantasy relevant. You know, yeah. so that's what it comes down to. Um, now, Michael Carter here at number 25, he was the primary running back for the Jets last week. 56% of snaps, ran a, a router on about 50% of dropbacks. Ty Johnson was, like, way too involved for me. Like, I don't yeah. know why. You know, e- even though, you know, they did – you know, introduce James Robinson into that backfield last week. He only played 22% of snaps and he had 30% of the rushing attempts. So, you know, we'll see what that split looks like this week, but it's, you know, I think Michael Carter is still the one a at this point and I'm cool. Like, even though it's a tough matchup, I think he'll be involved enough to where he can be a solid, you know, as a solid floor, I would say, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't think he has much of a ceiling though against Buffalo. Yeah, no, I think that's the way it's been. I think we talked about this, Right when James Robinson got traded, we said that Michael Carter is still going to be the guy in this backfield with Brees Hall out now. Obviously, you know, if Brees Hall was here, we wouldn't be having this discussion at all. But since Michael Carter is, you know, the guy that's there, he's been there a few years, um, obviously much more than James Robinson. Um, you know, Ty Johnson's been there, but he's been in and out. I think Michael Carter is clearly the guy. That That's really all there is to it. Um, there's not much of a ceiling because, you know, I'm not sure how good this offense is going to be anymore without Brees Hall. They obviously looked really good with Brees Hall. So we got a taste of it last week, what we could be looking at for the future. It didn't look too good, but, you know, I think we owe him the benefit of the doubt after what we've seen, you know, the rest of the season. Um, yeah. I think we should give him a little time. Michael Carter can still be relevant. Um, he can have those RB2 weeks, I think. I have James Conner at number 26, assuming that he plays. I have no idea what the split is going to look like when he's back. I don't know how much yeah. work he's going to get. This rib injury is taking forever for him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have Eno Benjamin at, Benjamin at 27, like right after him, because I, I do feel like it's going to be a split. This is assuming James Conner is back. I'm assuming a split in his first week back, if this is his first week back. Yeah. 
And we thought he would play maybe last week, and he didn't. So yeah, who knows what's going to happen? Hopefully, he plays. Um, you know, obviously, you can fire up Eno Benjamin again as a nice play if he doesn't. Eno Benjamin had a quiet week last week after going off the week before, I think. But, yeah. Um, I think that you know, if James Conner starts, it's going to be both of them just kind of you know killing each other as far as their ceiling goes. That's what yeah. But his Eno Benjamin's usage last week was so good. You know, seventy four percent of snaps, seventy five percent route participation, like. You know, it's it's been looking great. So, you yeah. know, Daryl Williams is on IR. So if you have Eno Benjamin, he should probably continue to be on your team. Like, don't don't cut him. He's like a a, a, a season-long asset at this point. Yeah. Caleb Huntley you have here at number 28 uh, because of the fact that the Falcons are going up against the Chargers. It's, it's assuming that Cordell Patterson is not going to play this week. Um, you know, it's going to be Huntley and it's going to be, you know, Algier, who I have at 22. So Caleb Huntley as the the second running back to Algier. I think both of these guys can potentially get it done for you in a really, really good matchup. Yeah. Caleb Huntley is going to be the guy running the ball. Tyler Algier is going to be the guy catching the ball. That's what he's going to be. And they've been doing fine, you know, the way they've been playing. Um, I'm not starting Caleb Huntley and thinking that he's going to turn in, you know, a fantastic performance. I think a touchdown is his ceiling. But, you know, in a pinch, I think he can get it done for you. Chuba Hubbard at 29, assuming that he plays. And then I have Damian Harris at number 30. Uh, so, you know, Chuba Hubbard, just real quick, you know, before we before we end this, Chuba Hubbard, you know, if he does come back, I would assume that he'll be a little bit limited. He won't be all the way there, right? Yeah. Like, you know, especially w- w- you know, the way that Deontay Foreman played last two weeks. Um, and he'll be their passing down guy. That's, that's how I'm looking at it. But, you know, we'll see what that split looks like when he's healthy. And then mm-hmm. Damian Harris, like I mentioned earlier, good matchup against Indy. They've been letting up against the run. Uh, lately so i think both of these guys i don't know how much indies you know has like in terms of offensive firepower so it's very possible both these guys uh him and Ramondre stevenson have a bunch of volume in this game yeah and that's it guys appreciate everyone listening um again just remember uh to to if you want to enjoy tonight's game you know and you're worried about it being a bad game sign up with underdog use code upper hand you'll get a hundred you'll, you'll get a 100 match on your first deposit up to 100 so so uh use the code upper hand there at underdogfantasy.com or download the app but i really appreciate everybody here uh thanks for listening to the podcast if you can download the podcast whenever you can when, if you can subscribe to the podcast you know that would mean the world to us so we appreciate it and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow we'll be back reviewing Thursday night football and we'll go we're going to go over wide receiver rankings and tight end rankings for week nine thanks guys see you tomorrow later